Hey, what's going on? It's Chris Carino, radio voice of the Brooklyn Nets. This is the Voice of the Nets podcast, a weekly podcast where we dive into the Nets and beyond in conversations with a plethora of guests, including players and coaches. Today, it is a Wildcat edition, as in the Villanova Wildcats. You know, Mikael Bridges has become the face of this Nets franchise. And we thought we would get some perspective on people that have been very important in his life, people that know him very well. So we went down to the campus of Villanova University, spent some time with Villanova head coach Kyle Neptune, a Brooklyn guy who was an assistant coach on that Wildcats staff when Mikel Bridges was redshirting and then developing as a player and Kyle Neptune played a big part in that, so he knows him very well. But Kyle is a Brooklyn guy, won a state championship with uh, Brooklyn Friends High School, was their all-time leading scorer. His parents still live in the area, go to net games. So we talked with Kyle Neptune. And, of course, when he was an assistant coach, he was on the staff of the legendary, now legendary head coach who helped transform Villanova into the national powerhouse that it is, the coolest guy in the room always. Jay Wright, two-time national championship head coach with Villanova, who recruited Mikael Bridges to Villanova and still gets emotional talking about it. So we'll talk with Jay Wright. It's always fun to talk to him. All right. Kyle Neptune is first head coach at Villanova. We patched up some of our differences that he, that he left Fordham. We were able to get through that, get past that. And had a nice conversation in my visit down to Villanova. And then, of course, the great Jay Wright. That's all coming up right here on The Voice of the Nets. Do you remember the first time we met? Uh, that event in, uh, in, the city in New York. What was that, Tau? Yeah. 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 So before the, it's before your first season at yeah. Fordham. Yeah. And uh, Eddie Cull, the great athletic director at Fordham. Eddie Cole, yeah. Yeah, he invited me to the event. And, he, and, and I get there, he's like, do you, do you, would you mind spending a few minutes sitting down for an interview with Kyle Neptune? And I was like, yeah, is there anything specific you want me to ask him? He goes, no, no, no. Kyle's going to interview you. <laughs> so we've, you remember that. So now yeah, you interviewed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we, we, we turn the tables a little bit. But you got to use some of your, your journalism degree. I did. At Lehigh. Really right? used, yes. Was yeah. that something you may have aspired to in, a, in an alternate universe? Uh, you know what? I mean, when I was doing, I was into it. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was enjoyable um, back back in the day, back in college. So that was a, a great experience getting to interview the legend. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've, maybe in that little world. Yeah. Um, and the other the other thing I bring up is because you did that was your one year at Fordham, yeah. and you changed the the fortunes of the program. You took them out of a dark place, got them to five hundred, won a game in the A ten tournament. So now it's the end of that year. I'm, I'm sitting minutes away from going on the air for game two of the Nets Celtics playoff series in 2022. And like every NBA guy, I get a notice on my phone whenever Woj does anything. And it said, Jay Wright retiring from Villanova. And I remember having my son, who's a, who's a Fordham student now too, and he's sitting next to me. And I just turn and show him the phone. And we both looked at each other because we knew the next tweet. <laughs> was going to be Kyle Neptune going to Villanova. 
And it was, it was not, I joked with you that there's no harm between, cause, cause Keith Zergo did a great job this year in the program. You left Fordham in a much better place than it was before you got there. Appreciate but we wanted more, like out of just a year. And it was, we were sad that you were leaving. What, what, what was your feelings about, you know, so quickly leaving and coming back to Villanova, a, uh, a place you really love? Yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, I think it's still kind of a whirlwind. Um, um, but that year at Fordham was unbelievable. Um, you know, just, just being there, uh, meeting all the people, uh, getting ingratiated to that community is just a, a, a great community. I think, uh, the fan base is awesome. Uh, Keith Ergo is a, a star as the Fordham faithful I've seen this past yeah, year. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they have a lot of talented, uh, players over there. I, I think they're going to be great. Um, and I, I I'm going to root for them. And, and, and Keith was part of the Villanova family too yeah. with you. That's how you, and you brought him to kind of be your lead assistant in Fordham. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, this is a little, little known story. Uh, if you remember, you know, when I first got the job at Fordham, we didn't hire anyone for like months. Uh, it was, uh, myself, uh, Henry Lowe, um, and Rob the Persia on staff there for, no, legitimately yeah. maybe two months. Um, and the reason why is because we were recruiting, Keith, we're literally recruiting Keith Ergo there. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, just cause we knew what the type of talent he was and what, uh, he could bring to a program. Um, so it's funny that uh, that was the biggest piece and we all knew it and we were there trying to figure out ways and show him around. Uh, Eddie Cole, Coach Cole, we called him, yeah. um, was involved with the, the entire process. So, uh, it's, it's pretty cool to see now that he's running the program and they're, they're off to a great start. And he got his start as a Villanova video guy, like you did. Yeah. And I, he tells a story about talking to Jay Wright to get the job. Jay tried to almost talk him out of it. Yeah. Because knowing he was a family guy, like, are you sure this is what you want to do with your life? Yeah. Because this is going to be hard. Did yeah. you, When you came in and got the job with Jay Wright, was there a similar conversation? Um, I, I believe there was, but I was so excited about the opportunity. Yeah, you were, you were, there was nobody talking yeah. about it. Nah, there was no one talking about it. I also didn't have a family like he did yeah, at the time. Sure. And he was a little older than me at the time, too. I was like 23 years old. Yeah. Um, maybe 22 at the time. So, um, I knew. Different uh, situation. Yeah, I knew I was all in, by the way. It, 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 you, you, you take over for Jay after a year at Fordham. Was that ever talked about prior? Like when you were at Villanova, did did you get any inkling from Jay that no. he wanted you maybe to take over for him one day? No, no, um, you know, nor would that type of conversation happen. Uh, if if anyone know Coach Wright, they would they would know that conversation would never happen. We were so singularly focused on just doing whatever uh, possible to make sure Villanova was in a good spot daily. Um, you know, the thought of uh, succession play, all that stuff, no, that was never discussed. And you end up going to Fordham. I guess the opportunity was great to run a program nearby. And we're going to talk about your time, you know, at learning as a coach. And, and but I want to go back a little bit. I want to let's jump back into the origin story yeah. of Kyle Neptune because you know we come here. It's I'm part of the Nets, and you're a Brooklyn guy. So take me back to to Brooklyn friends. Yeah, all time leading scorer, state champion. What was that? When you think back on that time of your life, what do you think about? 
I mean, first of all, being from Brooklyn, New York, uh, New York in general, I think you know, every New Yorker has a certain pride from being from New York yes. City. And then I think every borough has pride being from that borough. Uh, I'm no different. I'm a Brooklynite, very proud to be from that, uh, very proud to be from Brooklyn. Um, so going to Brooklyn Friends, which is, uh, you know, what, 10 minute drive to the Barclays, mm. maybe. Um, you know, it was, you know, a great time to be in Brooklyn. It was, uh, you know, as, as it still is a great neighborhood. What um, neighborhood did you grow up in? Clinton Hill. Clinton Hill. Which is a 10 minute walk to the Barclays. Okay. Um, I remember when there was nothing there. It was just train tracks. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't yeah. a part of town you hung out in. Uh, I mean, or was it? Yeah, I, I I would pass there a lot yeah. because there was, um, you know, my favorite pizza spot was just around there. Uh, you know, we went there to, uh, you know, the karate right around the block. <laughs> like that, that was a place and there was, there was a mall there at that time too. So that was a place I was at a lot growing up. Yeah. And you, so, you, but you, Barclays wouldn't go in there until way after you were out of high school. Right. Um, but do your, were your parents basketball fans? Who did you root for? What was your, as a, as a kid, were you an NBA fan? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, I was a Michael Jordan fan. Yeah. So, like, wherever he was at that time, that's that's who I was rooting for. Um, as a New Yorker, I was uh, supported all the teams. If they were <laughs> playing, I would want them to win. But um, I was a Michael Jordan fan. I don't know if I was ever, uh, you know, a diehard of any specific team. Yeah, though. that's kind of the way it's been the last couple of decades, I think, with kids. They gravitate toward players sometimes yeah. even more than yeah. than teams. Uh, I know you're talking about with Brooklyn. I married a Brooklyn girl. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I had to take her kicking and screaming to New Jersey. <laughs> um, and I once interviewed Larry King, and I remember he had a book, you know, great interviewer, and he had a book that uh, was titled, When You're From Brooklyn, Everything Else Is Tokyo. Like, it's it, true. Yeah. It's, it's very like, true. You're always, it's very true. You're always a Brooklyn guy. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't leave you. It doesn't leave you. It doesn't matter where I'm at. Oh, I'm from Brooklyn. So. I remember interviewing... Um, Shaka King, who was a, a director, who did, uh, he, he's, a, he's a Hollywood director and he from Brooklyn and he's a season ticket holder and he comes to a lot of the games. And he talked about though, growing up in, you know, where he grew up in, in, I think like Fort Greene in that area mm-hmm. or Williamsburg, I forget where it was, but he, he was, a, he wasn't totally gung ho about Barclays Center coming in, in the beginning. And then he went to his first event. Because he thought of what, what it's going to change the neighborhood, gentrification, things like that. But then he went to his first event there, and he said, "I saw all these people I knew." Mm-hmm. He goes, that, "That never happened to me at the Garden." Mm-hmm. You know, like it was it was part. Now Barclays Center kind of became part of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know how often you get back, but how did how did you feel about when Barclays Center was coming in, and did you have any worries about what it was going to do to the neighborhood, and and have your fears been alleviated in any way? Um, yeah, I think that's something it definitely crossed everyone's mind. It definitely was a change, right? Um, just from, you know, simplest parking, uh, yeah, to, uh, you know, definitely what's gonna concerns what's going to happen more. Just like you said, what's going to actually happen. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, now, uh, I think it's a great thing. Like I, I remember driving to my parents' house, um, getting off and just driving through a neighborhood and I look up. And I'm seeing like a huge building. I'm like, wow, like Manhattan looks really close. This is recent. This is within the last year. Like Manhattan looks so close. And I got closer and closer. I'm like, man, I, I can't believe the buildings in Manhattan are that big. Uh, that, that this building is so big. And then as I get closer, I'm like, whoa, that's, that's, yeah. that's a, 
in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's Flatbush in Atlanta. Yeah, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. like, and it seems like every time I go back, because my parents live in the same house for the last 35 years, so I'm there a good amount, I, I see something new that's like, whoa, this is pretty cool that this is here yeah. in Brooklyn five, 10 minutes from where I grew up. So I think this, the overall feel, um, and you could just see it's only growing by the day, it seems like. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, as a Brooklynite, especially someone who's from downtown Brooklyn, it's cool to see um, where it's gotten to and where it's going. As you said, it's always in you, Brooklyn. It's always in you. But now you go to Lehigh. You end up after Lehigh going to play overseas. Was that a, had you traveled a lot? Was that a fish out of water kind of thing? Or was it like no. you're leaving Brooklyn? Well, uh, at the time in, uh, in those days, AAU, you know, you still tra- traveled a lot throughout the United States, but you're, you know, you're doing stuff so often, you don't have time to leisurely travel. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the same, with, same with sports right now. Like yeah. if you're in sports, you don't have that much time to leisurely travel. Um, but you are on the road a lot, you know, domestically. So I was no different. I wasn't, I hadn't been that many places out of the country. Um, so the, the, my short stint of playing over there, um, getting to see different cultures was pretty cool. Um, and, and it's definitely, it was definitely eye opening to me at that age as well, just seeing that different culture, um, and the different way people live. Did you have NBA aspirations in college? I mean, yeah, you I, mean, I was delusional, right? <laughs> but, um, I think every basketball player has NBA aspirations. I, I don't think you can put in that type of time that it takes yeah. to be successful at that level, at the college level, unless you have those aspirations. Um, you know, again, I was delusional at the time, didn't know it. <laughs> Um, but 100%, I thought until like, the, you know, my last year probably that I had a chance. Where was the first league you got a paycheck in? Because you leave Lehigh, you go play. <laughs> I mean, I played, uh, I, I played a couple games in a couple spots. As I say, I had an overseas career. It's probably a little bit of a fabrication. Yeah. Um, but you know, going over there and spending, you know, a couple months at each spot. Where were the spots? Uh, Lithuania, Latvia, um, Puerto Rico. Um, yeah. I know a lot of guys that have gone over and they, and they realized at some point they're like, my dream wasn't to play basketball professionally. My dream was to play in the NBA. Right. And they're suddenly getting a check in Latvia. It's like, it's not really fulfilling them. Um, what now you, what, what made coaching all of a sudden enter your brain? Well, I came back, um, after bouncing around in between, um, and, and that summer that I was, uh, just back and I just started figure out what what am I going to do with my time? And I was working out, obviously, but I started going to camps, um, started following different people to different basketball events. Um, actually, I went to a bunch of, uh, one, one, a mentor of mine, Khalid Green, he was a scout with the Nets. Mm-hmm. I was on the path yeah. to being a scout with the Nets at that time when they were still in New Jersey. And I would, you know, follow him uh, to the draft workouts. And, you know, then follow different people to different basketball events. And I was like, yeah, this is the, you see the other side of what those people are doing. And that's where I kind of, uh, got the, you know, hunger to just be around the game in a different uh, form. And how did you end up connecting at Villanova? Um, you know, at that time, if I know, there's a lot of guys on the, the roster from New York City. Um, you know, Corey Fisher, um, Antonio Pena, um, and before them, Curtis Sumner and Alan Ray. Um, and, you know, all, all those guys in New York City basketball is very small. Um, so all that we were all connected through a couple different coaches. And, you know, when I came back, I'd started telling a couple of guys, Hey, I'm 
lean towards, you know, trying to get in the business. Uh, and once I told them, uh, they put a couple fillers out and, and honestly, within maybe, I would say six to eight weeks, uh, I was getting a call from wow. Pat Chambers, who was the associate coach at Villanova at the time, saying that there was a, a spot available and they wanted to talk about it. It's like in any kind of work, a lot of times you have to almost leave to come back at the higher level that you want. You end up going to Niagara, yeah, right? So that's where you learned how to be a, an assistant coach, recruiting and things like that. Yeah, yeah. It was a, that was a great opportunity for me. I was, uh, I was a villain over two years as a video coordinator and then, you know, pretty big jump from video coordinator to assistant coach. Mm. Um, I was at the time I, 24, 25. Yeah. Um, and you know, I had to kind of just figure that landscape out of recruiting and uh you know scouting and all that stuff and it was a lot for me at the time but it was a great opportunity uh Joe Mahalik who's the head coach uh at the time at Niagara was a, a great mentor to me mm. and really helped uh grow my basketball mind and kind of gave me help with the, the landscape and recruiting and then that led you back to Villanova 100% right after that I don't know if you were involved in the recruiting of Mikel Bridges were you involved in that recruiting process so when I got on staff uh I guess it was what 20 uh, I say 2013 at that time Mikel was I want to say just had committed okay um so but you know, at that part of my responsibilities, he was committed that summer and I would, we would all go and watch his games, uh, you know, during, uh, during the, his season. So I went to a number of his high school games. Um, and he would always come to campus to just continue our relationship. And he, he grew up right, yeah. right near Villanova. Yeah. One of them said, and, and so the way we do it here is, you know, we have home visits. Um, and he was already committed, but we had a home visit with his mom, uh, at, at his house. Um, so that was like me, uh, Ashley Howard, Baker Dunleavy, uh, Coach Wright was there, obviously. And we had like, I remember, I, I vividly remember that, uh, that visit it was an awesome time. I, if anyone's ever met his mom, uh, you know, she's a bubbly personality. Um, and, you know, obviously seeing their bond is unique as well. They're I want really to say close. she has her own podcast. I didn't even know. I that. think she does. I think really? she has her own podcast, and um, a lot was made. She worked in HR with the Sixers, yes. and big story when he was drafted by the Sixers originally, and yeah. then he gets traded. So we know that story. But what was the? Um, I, I net fans of the the. You know, it's funny because talking about what we, we were saying before before we got on, and I was saying I was mad at you for leaving Fordham, but <laughs> I was happy because it, you know Keith yeah. Ergo's worked out well, so now yeah. we can be friends again. Yeah. But. It's almost like Kevin Durant gets traded from the Nets. I yeah. think Net fans are a little stunned. But yeah. then from the minute they were introduced to Mikael Bridges, yeah. they realized, wow, you know, we're going to be okay because this kid's awesome. And was yeah. that a similar feeling when you guys got him at Villanova? Can yeah. we, at that young, can you tell? He's unique. Um, and I can't say, like, I mean, to say that, yeah, I 100% knew that he would be a, the best player on the team in the NBA. Yeah. I, I all saw it. I, I couldn't say that, but, um, you saw pretty early on that he's a really unique person and a special person. Um, and then as his, as he kind of grew into his body and his talents, um, you know, you knew he was going to be special at Villanova. Um, and you know, as a basketball coach, uh, especially college basketball coach, we know college basketball pretty well. Uh, his last year, he was remarkable for us. Like he had a, a breakout game at the garden. Uh, I think it was against Gonzaga where he was amazing. Like he was 
dunking down the middle of the lane. He was scoring every which way he could. He was defending at a high level. And you were like, all right, well, this kid has a chance. He's, he's going to be a good NBA player. Um, uh, how good? I didn't know. Cause I, I just didn't know that world as well. Yeah. Um, but you, you knew his character. Um, and you knew, um, the type of person he is and the type of teammate he was. So we, we knew he was going to be special. He redshirted his first year. Yeah. What did, what did you, what did, was it just not having a spot? Like, what do you need to get stronger? What was the purpose of that? I mean, he, he came into college. I mean, no exaggeration, maybe six, 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 seven, one sixty five, one seventy. <laughs> so just being in practice every day. And at that time, we had a pretty competitive team. You're talking about like, I think Darren Hilliard might have been on his, his early team. Uh, Josh Hart. Um, at the time and Josh, like, as, as you, you know, obviously he's down the block, uh, the garden, but like, he's like a fiery competitor. He's always been that. Um, yeah, Javon Pinkston, I believe was around. You had a bunch of fiery, uh, dudes, uh, and bodies in practice at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, you know, that was a bear just walking on the court for anyone, especially a high school guy. And a kid, 165. And pounds. then you put that on top of, yeah. but I took Mikel's credit. Like he never backed down ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, he was always competitive. Um, I remember just battles between him and Josh Hart in practice daily. Um, and, you know, th- those are always fun to and, watch. And it's, it's, it, it can be, you know, sometimes you worry about a guy that's so mild mannered and pleasant yeah. and right. Like having no. that being uh, a killer on the court. No, 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 no. He, you never worried about that with him. Um, he was, you walk outside of that 94 by 50 feet. He's literally the best person ever. Like he's just mm-hmm. someone, I don't have a daughter, but if I had one, <laughs> I'd want him to date her. That's high praise. Um, but if you get him on the court, like he is a nasty competitor. Um, and he does it a different way. He doesn't have to be boisterous, but he is a nasty competitor. He's a highly intelligent guy. He's, he's doing everything he possibly can do to win the game, whatever that takes, whatever that, uh, whatever he has to do in mm-hmm. that, uh, that game, that, that scenario to win, that, that's what he's going to do. He got a reputation as being a defensive minded yeah. player and, and he is such an incredible defensive player. Yeah. Um, when he came to the Nets, all of a sudden he's scoring and people are like, wow. Yeah. We didn't know we had this in them. Yeah. Did, did you see an offensive spark in him at Villanova? Yeah. Now his last year, I mean, he was really good for us. He took over games, but I, I like, again, I said, Mikhail's, you, you know, he's going to do whatever it takes to win. Um, so I, I feel like he thought that, you know, in his last role, uh, he was in a role of a defender and they needed him to focus on that. Um, and I don't think he has a problem playing on the ball, off the ball, whatever role you need him to play, he'll do it, mm-hmm. um, for the good of the team. And he was put in the role of a guy who wanted to be, need to be the leading scorer. And he, he, he was okay with doing that role as well. Um, yeah, and obviously he's a, you know, gifted defender. He's just, uh, he's unique because you, he's six, 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 seven, but his wingspan and his anticipation, you don't realize that he can get to things. We, you know, he, I don't know what his wingspan is, but it has to be it's easily over seven foot. Yeah. He can't, he can't buy shirts off the rack. No, and, uh, no. we used to joke with him. Store. Like he'll be like way over uh, on the other side of the room. You like try to <laughs> give him a, give him your hand like you're going to shake his hand. Uh, he didn't get it. Like I actually, sometimes he would actually shake a hand from like that far. The gadget, like yeah, the alarm just keeps sure. going. It for just sure. keeps going. For sure. I, I feel like it's a trait of of guys that have come through this program in the last twenty years at Villanova. Of um, it, they just know their role, and they try and be as Doc Rivers used to say, a star in your role. I feel like that's what Jay Wright's thing has been all those years. So it didn't always translate to 
guys end up being lottery picks. You know, I mean, but it, it, it seems like they've become really good pros when you look at guys in the league right now coming out of this program. Is your, your tenure here now, do you see this as sort of a continuation of Jay Wright and what he's done? What, 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 what's different maybe a little bit of what Kyle Neptune is going to add to things here? Below? Yeah, I, I definitely see it as I would look at myself as someone who has been mentored by Coach Wright. Um, and he's not gone. He's still a part of our program. Um, he's a big piece of our program. So I would definitely look at this as a continuation of what he um, kind of instilled here and, and really helped propel into the uh, national spotlight. Obviously, um, you know, Roley Massimino, I think mm. he would say you kind of stabilized Villanova and put us on the map. Yeah. Uh, I think I continued through uh, Coach Lapp and now then Coach Wright. Um, and now uh, I'm in the role of being the head coach here, but this is an entire apparatus of of people who are um, dedicated to you know, Villanova being in a good spot. How did you deal with the pressure last year? You know, your first year, you, you, you're replacing a guy who's a legendary figure at the university. How did you deal with that? Honestly, I never thought about it like that. Um, I understood that that's how everyone would think about it, but uh, I just made a decision pretty early on. Like, this, uh, I can't focus on that. Like, what that doesn't, it's not going to help the program. It's not going to help me personally. So, like, I just had to focus on the task at hand um, and try to win every day um, and do the best we could every day to make sure we had the best season possible. And it was tough. You you, you lost more the year before in the end in the. NCAA tournament to the uh, Achilles injury. And then you don't have him coming in early on. Um, and you, you, you kind of get off to a slow start last year. You played well toward the end of the year, but didn't go to the NCAA tournament. Um, so when you think back on that first year, uh, what, are, what are the things that you thought and what do you take into that experience going into now year two, which I would imagine you're going to be a lot more comfortable here coming into this season. Yeah, I mean, you know, just uh, in respect to last year, like we, we had, we had some challenges, but too bad. It's just how basketball goes. You, there's the injuries happen. Um, unforeseen things happen in sports. It's just how it goes. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think the job of a coach and a staff is just to navigate those things and try to put the team in the best possible situation, uh, to succeed. Um, and you know, I think we, we put all in everything into that last year. Um, learned a lot. And now our new uh, task is to do the same thing this year, is to uh, put our team in the best possible situation to be the best team we can be by the end of the season. Before I let you go, I always, all my subjects, I give them a little, remember Jim Valvano's speech at the ESPYs, never give up. Yeah, speech absolutely. always meant a lot to me in my life. So yeah. he always said, there's three things to have a full day. You need to, everybody should laugh, cry, have their emotions moved. Every day? Wow. Yeah, you okay. know. And and uh, and think, spend some time in thought. That's what he would say. 100%. So, what makes Kyle Neptune laugh? Something recently, maybe. maybe uh, give me a sense of your sense of humor. I think I think everything is. Uh, this, uh, like I, I I try. You know, we we take basketball very seriously, um, and we take our our team and the, the growth of our team very seriously here at Villanova. But other than that. Um, you know, I, I try not to take anything else that seriously and, you know, whatever it is from laughing, joking around with, uh, friends, colleagues, um, you know, to watching TV and being funny. Like I, I don't take anything else too seriously. What's a, what's a funny movie that you'll watch over and over again? 
Uh, Coming to America is a hilarious <laughs> movie that I would watch. Um, if if I if if that's on, like you know, if you're just yeah, looking through, you're, you're stuck. You're, you're gonna yeah, watch. I'm, it. I'm watching. You're it. gonna watch it. I'm watching. Uh, it. On the other side of things, not necessarily in a sad thing, but is there something recently maybe that's that's moved your emotions where you feel emotional about something, or what makes you do that in general? Are you a crier? Uh, I I wouldn't say I'm a crier. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, uh, we do a lot of work here with the uh, cancer research. Um, and, you know, just, just recently, just different people that have passed, you know, due to different illnesses. Anytime that happens, that's something sad. But knowing even with the Jim Valvano thing is having, having been through everything and in that fight with those people, it, it makes you feel like you can go on and you yeah. can get over things and, and you exactly. see the courage it took yeah. for him to make that speech or these yeah. people to go through life. But then also on the back end, it also shows you how, great of a life you have yeah. and we made a point earlier about like us having a, a challenging season it's like <laughs> I mean, all right, like, that's yeah that that's something that we take very yeah. seriously yeah. um yeah but there, there are a lot of other things in life outside barclay center there's the oculus the, the video scoreboard everybody can see when they come out of the subway walk around town come into the building if you so many people see it if you could put a message up there something you want everybody to think about this is the think part is there something that a credo that maybe you live by that you Ooh, want that you want people spot. to think about? Attitude. I think that's a huge word in our program. And we, if we bring it in, we never say win or go cats or anything. We always say attitude, um, and it just reminds us that we're in charge of our own thoughts and we can control how we think about things and control how we react to things. So, I think having a great attitude is very important. Kyle Neptune, thank you so much thank for doing you. this, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate All it. Right. Thank you. I don't know if you've ever checked out your Wikipedia page. If you know what that is. I do. Yeah, you've never checked There's it out. There's one thing I hope you're not going to go to. Go <laughs> Points in a game? No, 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 no. There's, oh. nothing, there's, there's like, of all the things, you're in the Hall of Fame, all these championships you've won, everything, right? So in your personal category, it basically just says, you know, married, three kids. And the other thing is that you were awarded the best dressed in the late 90s twice in Tim Capstraw's <laughs> runway to the final four. Is Capra's TV in there show. in my Wikipedia? Yeah. Capra's it says two-time Tim Capstraw award, best dressed. You see, That's this a is great the- honor because Capra took that serious yeah. back in the day. <laughs> he did, right? Capra was very serious about that stuff. I, I, I hold that as... Uh, but this that's was up, 90s Jay Wright, though. This was Hostia Jay Wright. This was because now everybody would just assume, of course, Jay Wright's the was the best dressed guy in, in college basketball. <laughs> this is like, you know, telling somebody to buy Amazon stock 25 years ago, right? Capper was ahead of his time. He was. Capper also gave me the term. He would come, he would watch us practice and say, you know, you guys got great program attitude. Great, your whole program's just got an attitude about it. I was, yeah. I was thinking like, that's a good word, man. I stole that. That's stole all that over the capper. We're here at your facility at Villanova. It, yeah. It's all, I can't yeah. get away from it. It's everywhere. That capper, capper had a big. And your book is attitude. Yep. Capper had a big impact he's, on He's me. looking for royalties. I think, <laughs> think you're right. But it's nice to you to say that because um, he, he's, you're an incredibly humble person. I've never met a more humble oh. person than Tim. And, and I'm attracted to people with humility, and he would never. Like the fact that you acknowledge that, that he no. gave you that term, um, he will love that. He was a head coach before 
me. He was a really young head coach at Wagner. Yeah. And um, Tom Pacoro, my assistant, was his um, bet one of their his best friends. So he'd come and hang out with us. And we would we would grill him in those early years because we were just getting started at Hofstra. Yeah. He had had success at Wagner already. Yeah. And it was funny because he was young. He was young, maybe younger than us. And we're grilling him like he's the old veteran. Yeah. Jeez, we're lucky we made it, all of us. Think about it, he played. I don't know if any of us knew what we were doing back then. Think about but we it. thought Capper did. Yeah, he he was on the Wagner team coached by P.J. Carlissimo. Oh, that's right. Which P.J. was like a 24, 25-year-old that's head exactly coach right. that's at exactly Wagner. That's exactly right. Um, the term attitude, we see it everywhere. But I think people may interpret it as sort of a bravado. Right, right. But when I speak to Kyle Neptune, when I talk to Jay Hernandez, who's now on the net staff, who played for you at Hofstra, it's more, I get the sense, it's more of, and it's something that I've always lived by in my life with the challenges and the struggles that I've gone through, is that we can't control what happens to us, but we can control our attitude toward it. Is Is that the crux of it? That's exactly what it was. Honestly, you know, Capra used to use that word, and John Cheney had... Uh, used to have these big um, billboards in Philadelphia that said "Winning is an attitude," and I, you know, I kept seeing that word. I was like, "Winning is an attitude." And I'm back in Philly. Capper would say that word. And when we were early years at Hofstra. We did not have talented guys when we took over at Hofstra. We were 295 out of 302 Division One teams at the time, and um, the the bad thing was we were 295 out of 302. Um, the other bad thing was. Everybody from that team was coming back. So we had all the same guys. And uh, we didn't really have a talented crew. But they were great guys. And they did everything that we asked them to do. And I, I was thinking to myself, like, what do, you know, we're losing games. But these guys are playing their butts off. Like, how do I describe this to them? Like, what we're doing is really good here. But we're losing. You know, and everyone on the outside is saying they stink. But they don't. If, if someone's giving you their best effort... And they got they a great attitude anymore. every day, yeah. and they're listening. And like, what what is to be celebrated here? Well, their attitude. Like every day, they're coming in positive. So I was like, that this is what our program is about. It's about attitude. That we can control. Like we're not going to win games. I, I can practice these guys for four hours, and and we're not going to win games. But but we got to celebrate the fact that they got a great attitude every day, every game. And then that became really the foundation of our program when we started to get good. You know, you, you'd, you'd win games and you'd realize sometimes something would happen that you don't have control of and you'd lose. And you say, like, I, I'm not going to kill these guys because we lost. They, they play. We're going to celebrate their attitude. And that's an extension going back to your days at Hofstra. Definitely. Because, I mean, when I talked to Jay Hernandez recently, he talked about how what, what you really got through to guys was to be really good at what you're good at. You know, he mentioned when Speedy Claxton left and he had to become the point guard that you didn't tell him, hey, you got to play like Speedy Claxton. Right. You just got to play like Jay Hernandez. Right. And I think that's a big part of, is that a big part of what you've tried to build over the years at Villanova? Yeah. Well, that's a, I never really heard it explained that way to be good at what you're good at. I don't, Jason Hernandez, I mean, we're starting to name people in my life. Um, talking about Tom Picard, Tim Capstraw, Speedy Claxton. I just talked to Speedy on the phone before we got yeah. in here. Um, Jason Hernandez, like, got some pretty special people. Yeah. Jason Hernandez kind of figured out that he was a complete basketball player. He was complete. 
So I always looked at it as, it's funny that he explained it that way. I looked at it as, this guy's a great shooter. He can run a team too. But just because we need a point guard, I'm not taking away the fact that he's a great shooter. Yeah. I'm going to let him be a great shooter and be a point guard because he can do all these things. And that's kind of the way I always looked at it. Like, like let teach players to be complete and, and use everything they have, right? And don't um, eliminate some part of their game just because the team needs it more. You know, we, we talked about Mikhail Bridges, you, you and yeah. I, earlier. He's a great example of that in that um, I, I used to have to tell his mom sometimes, like, hey, we got a lot of talented guys on his team, but um, he can't stop trying to be great. Like, he's just content. We're winning and he's doing all the little things, but I want him to keep trying to be great because it's in him there, right? We want everything that you can be. I always think of, we'll get into Mikel now, since we've segued into that. Um, I think the thing that sort of net fans were stunned when Kevin Durant gets traded. But I think from the first press conference that Mikel Bridges talked to the media, I mean, we all walked out of there as members of the media going, this guy's delightful. This what is too good say, what to be true. What did he say in his first press conference? What was well, so- just about how he was up there with Cam Johnson, right. who he, he was kind of his twin. He right, about. right. And he, the way, I remember him saying, well, you know what? We heard back in the summer that Kevin Durant's name was being thrown out there. Figured, we're going to be the guys that are going. So <laughs> we would say to Cam, you know what? We kind of got used to the idea of, of being in New York. So this isn't really that much of a shock. That's right? awesome. That's, that's delight. Awesome. That's what I mean. Like, so I think Ned fans immediately fell in love with the guy. That's awesome. So I could imagine it was similar to, to having him around, even though oh. you saw him at a much younger age. Amazing. I, I, I was, he was not the prototypical Villanova basketball no. recruit. Like we always liked guys that were physically tough. And, Randy Foy, yeah, Kyle Lowry, yeah, exactly yeah, that kind of guy. And he's this little Corey skinny Fisher kid. was a bull. Yeah, even Ryan Archidiakon was a tough bull. Um, Jason Hernandez was was that way for us, and and he was a tough, strong guard. Um, and so Mikael was like so thin and wiry, and we were just like, oh. and he liked Villanova. And his mom was getting her master's degree at Philadelphia. We're like, this is kind of too good to be true. Yeah. It's, but his personality, his mental approach to the game was so unique and refreshing. We're saying, we thought, you know what? Really, all we got to do with this guy is just get him strong because he's got everything else. And we had the best strength coach in the country. So we're like, if, but you don't know if he was going to buy into that. You know, you don't know if a player is going to choose your school where you're basically telling them, like, we got to bulk you up, man. Like, you're going to have to spend a lot of extra time in the weight room. And he chose to do that. All the other stuff was natural to him. I think by his his mom's upbringing, he was so unselfish and had such a great basketball IQ. How could he be an offensive player? Now with the Nets, like they're seeing, we're seeing a rise in his scoring, right? He came to the team, all of a sudden he's a go-to scorer and yet still maintain that defensive prowess. Is that going to be hard for him to do? He, he came to Villanova and, and uh, w- with a, a love for defense and rebounding and winning. And if you look at our, we have a triangle of our core values and Defense is at the bottom of it. That's the, the base, foundation. Yeah. And then rebounding is above that. So usually we have 
guys that are good offensively, and we got to teach them the, the found that he came in with it was it was incredible. And that's again part of our recruiting was like, wait, this guy plays like we we want to play, he just physically doesn't have it yet. And it's it's always been connected to winning for him. Yeah. And when he went to the NBA, when he went to the Suns, it was like they, they gave him that role and and he and he loved it. But when there were times when Chris Paul was out, you know, and they needed scoring, he'd have some of those 29 point, 30 point games. He did the same thing for us in college. We had great players. We had Ryan Archidiak, you know, Daniel Chefu, Josh Hart, Chris Jenkins, um, Jalen Brunson played with him. There would be games where he'd get nine points, seven steals, five assists. But there would be games when we'd get in trouble, he would just take over the game and and score and give us whatever we needed. And we always knew it was there. Um, and and it, and it was there when it was always there when we needed. It. Like it was never, there was never a game where, and it's why we won a national championship where, all right, we're having a bad game. We don't get bailed out this game. He he'd always be there for us, and so I always knew it was there. What's going to be interesting is he just has such a love for competing defensively. How he can, with the extra minutes and the scoring responsibilities, still keep that in intact. And I think he's going to figure out a way that late in games he's going to be still the defensive stopper. I mean, it's a crazy comparison, but like much like Michael Jordan, early in the games, he's going to have to be smart and not get in foul trouble. Mm. All right. There's a good comparison. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of a stretch, but <laughs> um, you I never know. We've been going down this sort of like the Nets connections to you now. All these these names going down. This is your life. <laughs> right, right. BJ. I want to say, yeah, PJ was a part of the Nets family too. Um, Roly Massimino, I know, yeah. meant a lot to you. Obviously, yeah. you started your career with him in Villanova. Didn't he get off... Didn't he get offered yes. the next job yes. right after the national championship? It was, a, it was a big part of all of our lives here in Philly. Um, when when Coach Mass won the national championship in 85, and I was a young coach, I, w- I was working in basketball camps at the time. Yeah. I was not on the staff. I was a working camp. Were you in the building? Um, it was in Lexington, right? I think they won the final four. I was the, I was the division three assistant at the University of Rochester. Okay. So I went to my you. first coaches convention in Lexington that year. And I had to, I went to the semifinal game. I had to go back on Monday because I was the intramural director also. <laughs> I had to run intramurals on Monday. So I was not there for the championship game because I was running inter- floor yeah, hockey floor. at University of Rochester. <laughs> but after that, um, he was offered the Nets job and, Everybody, he actually said he was taking the job. And everybody at Villanova was crushed. Mm. And the next day he changed his mind and said, I can't do it. And he came back to Villanova. And you just think about how all of our lives would have been changed, you know, if if he made that move. But um, that was his connection to the Nets. And everybody in Philly was distraught thinking that he was going to do that. They actually had a roast. They roasted him thinking he was leaving, going to the Nets. <laughs> wow. I, I, I heard it was as close yeah, as they were was. setting up a press conference yeah. uh, and everything. Did you have any similar doubts when you decided to step down here? Um, when you saw no. the way the community reacted? No, no. I, I was, it's interesting. I was never, I was probably... Besides taking the job at Villanova, I was probably never so sure of a 
decision in my career. Um, I don't know. I just feel blessed that I was so clear-minded about it. Everything was in place. The program was good. Um, we had good young coaches at, that were prepared to take over as head coach. Not just Kyle. Yeah. Kyle was the one we chose in the end, but we had a lot of guys that were prepared. We had a good young nucleus coming back. So I thought it was the best thing for everybody, including myself and my family. So, um, and, and, you know, this far into it, I still feel really clear-headed about it. I feel at peace, and I and I love where our program is here at Villanova. I think it's in good spot. I love where our guys are. You know, we were talking about the Nets. You know, BJ being in personnel Johnson, yeah. um, it has been a big part of us. Like, he's had guys come up there and work out for yeah. the Nets. and. Um, I had I had a player at um, uh, that he can players he can evaluate for us, and his words so well respected here. When you tell guys when they're young, like, look, this is what BJ thinks. Yeah, it actually helps guys understand. Like, this guy won't BS me. He's a Villanova guy, and he's respected in yeah. the NBA. So we the the Nets have been good to us. Not taking Roly and <laughs> and BJ. You talked about when you walked away, it was a lot about, I, I remember I heard you talk something about now in your broadcasting career, you're all of a sudden noticing oh. all these things around how great college, all like life things that yeah. are great about, about being it around the game. shows how screwed up I was. Can you be when I was as successful coaching? as you were as a coach and have a life? I don't think so anymore. I yeah. really don't. I, I um, you know, I probably figured it out too late, but. And it was different when I first got into it. When I first got into coaching, you could, there was an off season where you could relax a little bit. Now it's the opposite. Now there is no off season. These guys yeah. are going all, all day. I talk to Kyle Neptune all the time and I, I'll talk to him for an hour and, and I'll always get off the phone and just say, God bless you, man. Like I, <laughs> I, 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 I remember Easter Sunday. I remember Easter Sunday. He, he was here. I was at the shore and he had recruits coming in. Um, well, you say it's, you would be you would be at mass texting oh. guys about stuff, and it's like, what am I doing? My wife would be no, no. I wouldn't even be saying what I'm doing. My uh, wife would be saying. Uh, somebody telling sma- you. I thought it was normal. Yeah, I'd be listening to the priest, and I'd be like, you know what? That fits Colin Gillespie. <laughs> and my wife would smack me and say, "What are you doing?" And I've been thinking, "Oh, he's making a good point," and I'm sharing it with my player. That's what I'm supposed to be. I didn't even realize it was screwed up. Yeah. I do now. That's, that kind of stuff, maybe not. You're thinking about your 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 kids like your kids, right? Like, exactly. You know. Exactly. But what is something, what's something now that you do that you couldn't do back during the day? Like, what's your, your, what's your life like now or something I, in the summertime just, or something? Like a simple, funny thing. Like any, if I was out at a function anywhere and I was representing Villanova, I'd never have a drink. You know, like... I just did a function the other day. I got a cocktail and I'm taking a picture. And I got a cocktail and a picture. I was like, I'm thinking, shoot, I would never, I wouldn't even have one. And I wouldn't, because you were always thinking like, and I would always tell our players, just, you got to always remember, whatever we do, we're representing Villanova University. Yeah. We're re- representing the Villanova program. And, you know, it's one of the prices that come from all the, the great blessings we get being a Villanova basketball player. You know, everything comes with a with a so you, a, a sacrifice or a trade yeah. a trade off. So we we gotta be representing Villanova all the time. And now I can be a normal human being. So you're telling me that while you were a coach, you could never hang out with Raf. <laughs> no, I had to do it. 
I did it. Unfortunately, <laughs> I did it a lot. I always had to have a driver, and we, and we always did it late night. And we had we had our specific hangouts here where we did it kind of in seclusion. But there was, it's kind of like the basketball world gives you a pass when you're with Raph. <laughs> like it was okay. Like I let Villanova, we'd be a local watering hole around here and Villanova alums would see me and I'd have a drink, but they'd be like, ah, but he's with Raph. Uh, it's all right. I'll give you a funny story. Did a quick one. It involves Capper <laughs> and Raph. And I'm with Ian Eagle. And it's like a Nets in the playoffs. And Raph's not doing our games anymore, but he's there doing it for NBA TV. So we're in Indiana. And we're all out, the Nets crew are out to dinner. And, and Ian says to me, you know, Raph's in town. <laughs> Do we call him? Because you know what that means now. Exactly. So he said, I said, you know what? Exactly. Capper, I just started working with Tim Capstraw. I said, Capper's never hung out with Raph. Oh, so we got to do it. So we call him and forget it. We have a big night and Capper gets, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> but the next day he goes, Chris, as a young basketball coach, he goes, that was like playing catch at Mickey Mantle. <laughs> he said, so it's true, did. though. Yeah. It's yeah, true. And he's the best. And, and the he... beauty is, Raph's up at 5.30 the next morning. Oh, chipper. On the treadmill, yeah. doing what he's got to do. And you're dying, <laughs> right? Yes. He's, such a, uh, he's a pro in many facets of his life. As are you. And then you got to do a lot of broadcasting work with him. I know you got a little time constraint here, but I want to get to this because it gives me a little insight into the person. And I always ask these of everybody. Another great coach, Jim Balvano. You know, uh, the speech, right? The SBs yeah. never give up. Always meant a lot to me yeah. in my life. Um, he said to do three things, to have a full life every day, you should do three things. Laugh, cry, think. Yeah. Spend some time in yeah. thought. So what makes Jay Wright laugh? Uh, you know what, p certain people, just their personalities, like Tom Pecora, Capstraw, those yeah. guys, I can, they just start talking. I just left. <laughs> There's just certain people to me that have like a, a wise ass demeanor about them. Yeah. It just, it just makes me laugh. I've hung out with Tom and, also. And, and I, Raph, yeah, I Raph, Raph is the same, same way. way. Like, we'll be, we'll be doing our first broadcast and I'll be intense. And he's like, he'll just grab me. Don't worry, no one's going to remember anything you say anyway. <laughs> Nobody cares. You know, it just, he's such a wise ass. Like that, that wise ass mentality makes me laugh. Right, we're right before going on. I'm doing Westwood One. It's, it's uh, St. Patrick's Day, first round of the tournament. Rask right next to me walks by. I go, Rap, you didn't wear any green today. I got on green underwear. He goes. <laughs> uh, uh, before we did this, uh, you were doing something for our, our next content team about Mikkel Bridges and, um, I learned what kind of makes you cry yeah, yeah. in an emotional thing. Uh, it was that you were telling the story about, you know, meeting Mikel, Mikel telling his mom that he was going to come to Villanova. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, anything involves our players and the relationships with the players. Um, I can get emotional now. Like, um, uh, the, the relationships during competition, the relationships, during recruiting, during their tough times, that always makes me emotional. I, I was far more emotional than people know. Like in uh, locker rooms after games, like that, that unique relationship is is so special to me and so deep. And I, I really don't. I, I try not to talk about it publicly that much because because number one, it makes me emotional. Um, number two, I feel like it's kind of sacred. But those relationships definitely make me emotional. But think about the sacrifices you've made. You talked about personally what you had to put into coaching. Getting that 
is something that people don't always yeah, get. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You that, know, I, I, and that's what, that's the only thing I miss. Yeah. Like, I, I really don't, I don't miss it. Those deep relationships where you know, like, that, that guy is trusting his career and putting it in your hands and you're responsible for it. Yeah. And he's giving it to you. That's deep. I even, I even relate it personally. It's something like when I have muscular dystrophy and what I go through, it teaches me, I have more deeper relationships with my wife, my son, yeah. my friends. Cause I, cause that's where you really get a sense of what that person means to you. Oh, that's when a, you that's, have other things that are taken away. Exactly. Right. It's the same thing. You, you, you sacrifice so much for your coaching career, but those relationships exactly. are something that you never would have gotten otherwise. And you realize when you, to, you make a great point, all the other things that seem important to everybody else, you realize like that's really not that important. No, those relationships exactly. are what's most important. And I think I realized that when I was coaching, I think I did. But now that I'm out of it and people say, do you miss it? And I'm like, no. Like, but every once in a while, like I can still grab like Eric Dixon and get into a deep conversation about his life and where he's going. Um, and in a couple of years, I won't have that anymore because the guys that I recruited won't be here. I'll probably miss that the most now. Yeah. Uh, and finally, we've, we've had a lot to think about, but the, you know, Jimmy B's thing was spend some time in thought. And I would say, you know, outside Barclays, there's an Oculus big digital sign that so many thousands of people have the, can see every day. If you could put something up there that you want people to think about, what do you think that might be? You know, it's probably my, my, uh, people get tired of hearing it from me, but it, it's, it's, it's you control your attitude. I, I really, um, I just, you know, you, the people that you said that make me laugh, they have a great attitude. Like you just yeah. love being around people that have a great attitude. And and it's, it, it's good for you. It's healthy for you to have a positive attitude and control it. But it's really, it's a gift to other people. Like you make other people feel good. They feel good about themselves. And, um, you know, attitude is, is just, is just what it's about, man. It's, you know, it's your faith and your attitude. And, um, um, and I just feel blessed that I somehow, whether it was cap or somehow <laughs> I figured that out because I, I get down like everybody and you lose, you lose a game. And, and as a coach and people don't believe this, but every coach knows this. When you lose a game, no matter how good you are, you think we're never going to win again. <laughs> you really, you think like that. I don't know. If we can stop this, like we, we, we might never win again. Yeah. And then you got to stop yourself and just say, okay, coming in tomorrow, what's most important here? All right. Most important here is I'm coming in here with a clear mind, positive attitude. That's the most important thing I can do. And then we'll, t we'll work at everything else. And to know that you're good, you're the influence you're having and putting it forward. That was Cal Neptune's answer also. Interesting. About what he would put outside. He said attitude. Is that right? Yeah. That's cool. See? It makes me feel good. Well, that could make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Jay Wright, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you doing you, this. Thanks, man. All right, man. Take care. All right, my thanks to Kyle Neptune and Jay Wright right here on The Voice of the Nets. Remember, you can subscribe uh, if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you're feeling a little generous and you like the program, please. 
uh, leave a review and give us a five-star rating. We really would appreciate that. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a thrill for me to go down to Villanova because as a kid, when we're, we're so nostalgic, you know, we get older in life, we get nostalgic about sports. I am always nostalgic about the Villanova basketball team from 1985, the team that beat Georgetown in that huge upset, because I was a fan of Villanova back then. For whatever reason, sometimes as a kid, you become fans of teams. I used to always love college basketball, and I, I, I probably uh, watched it and loved it more than I did the NBA game when I was a kid. And I always loved watching Big Monday and the Big East games on Big Monday. And I just kind of chose Villanova as my team. I had my uncle's brother went to Villanova. And I, I didn't even know a lot of people that went to college back when I was younger. But here he was, you know, he went to Villanova. I heard of Villanova. And I would watch them on Big Monday. And I was, uh, you know, into guys like John Pannone when I was little, the bear. And I followed them throughout that year when they won the national championship. Ed Pinckney the McLeans, a great team, obviously, led by Roly Massimino. And uh, so it was a thrill. I remember having the, uh, the bracket pinned up to my wall in my room, would follow them along as the, as the tournament went along. So I'm always nostalgic when I think back of Villanova and those days as a kid rooting for the Wildcats. Uh, speaking of nostalgia, I went to the movies. I don't get to the movies a lot, but I actually went to the theater because I had to see the last chapter of the Indiana Jones franchise. Because talking about nostalgia, the first, you know, Indiana Jones, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, still one of my all-time favorite films. I still think it's the, the best action-adventure film of all time. It still stands up today if you go back and watch it. Think of that movie and how it influenced all the action-adventure movies that have come forward. And when you want to talk about a cool customer who's accomplished so much in their careers, like Jay Wright, I think of Harrison Ford and how he played that character, one of the great characters in film history, and never even loses his hat through all those action sequences. And I don't know if the new film, this, this recent film uh, on its own really stands up, but for a guy in his 50s who has such reverence for the, the Indiana Jones franchise and the character and Harrison Ford, it was a fitting end. And maybe it's the nostalgia talking, but I, I enjoyed it very much. So that's my, my blockbuster summer movie trip to the actual theater to see Indiana Jones one last time. I want to thank our engineer, the guy who always makes us sound great, Isaac Lee. Thanks to our producer, Steve Goldberg. My name's Chris Carino. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Voice of the Nets. 